Well, as many Ontario businesses once again run on reduced capacity and more and more workers are calling in sick, there's questions beginning to be asked about Omicron and its effect on the Ontario economy. David McDonald is Senior Economist for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, and he joins us to discuss here on Global News Radio. Hey there, David. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, do we have an estimated price tag on what Omicron, which, by the way, some roughly six weeks ago, I don't think most of us, most businesses had any idea even existed, what it's costing the economy? Well, we'll have a pretty good idea by about this time next month when the labor force survey comes out. That'll give us some idea of what the absentee rate has been uh, in the, you know, in January. We just got a labor force survey update uh, about a week ago, but that was for December prior to all this happening. We can look back to the, the very start of the pandemic uh, in April and May of 2020. And during that period, uh, about 4% of the workforce was off sick. Uh, so to give you some idea, if, you know, if this time around it's similar to the very start of the pandemic, in Ontario, that would be about 300,000 people off sick uh, for the week or uh, otherwise at home taking care of family members. It's probably going to be higher than that. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we didn't see more uh, COVID sickness at the start of the pandemic was that everyone was laid off in the first couple of weeks. And so it really stopped the stopped the spread, whereas this is, a, you know, it's much more communicable version this time around. Uh, and so what that means is that, you know, we'll probably have 300,000 people in Ontario. Well, that's probably that's probably the lower bound. We're probably more like half a million people in Ontario off sick, if not a bit more um, in January. And so that's going to have a substantial impact in the economy. In particular, sectors uh, are going to get hit a lot harder than others and are already being hit. Uh, healthcare, accommodation and food services, information culture rec. I mean, those are areas in particular that are going to be hard hit. Uh, education services, I think, will be hard hit uh, once classes go back in the sense that you'll just have a lot more teachers and students exposed that, that have yet to be exposed at this point. But then again, there's other sectors um, that have done really well through the pandemic that will likely uh, skate by with very few sickness uh, leave issues, although there might be some issues because, you know, if we if um, some classes do end up closing or if we do end up with mass closure again of schools, then all of a sudden parents have to stay home to take care of kids and, you know, work the Zoom meetings and so on. Uh, and that's going to be, uh, you know, finance, insurance and real estate. All that has moved to most of that has moved to, to working from home as well as professional services as like lawyers offices and those sorts of things. All that's moved to home. And so those folks will remain relatively insulated from this uh, in terms of the economic impact, but as well as, as uh, the impact of uh, people taking sick time off. Yeah. Is that the big story this time around? Is people taking sick time, these sick leave issues, this uh, labor uh, supply? Because as you just mentioned, of course, the first time around or early on in the pandemic during the first wave, you know, all businesses were shut down. People, unfortunately, were uh, laid off. And this time around, it's not as much uh, reduced capacity for things like dining for uh, restaurants. But uh, because uh, Omicron is just so transmissible, there's just so many workers not available. Yeah, even if they don't end up in hospital, which is its own problem, they now are at record high hospitalizations today. Uh, I said people just take, you know, they're they're off there, and that's the correct thing to do. Is you're sick, and so you stay home, so you don't continue to spread it. I think that we're really going to see, you know, this this next labor force survey for January 2021, when it comes out in early February, will likely set a record for sick leave that will stand for a long time, uh, just like. Um, April and May of uh, 2020 set a, a record for unemployment that will stand for a long time. I mean, I do think one of the things that that we should be learning here is that is that we need uh, 
a healthcare system in particular that's just more resilient, uh, that has more depth, uh, that can withstand these types of surges, whether it's from this version of Omicron, you know, of COVID or the next version, which is going to come in the fall or the version after that, that's going to come in the winter of next year. Uh, we, we often don't realize how overrun hospitals are, particularly in the in the late fall due to the flu season. We haven't seen a flu season in two years because uh, COVID is so much more transmissible and dangerous. Um, but as COVID recedes, hopefully in terms of uh, its danger, it will continue to be dangerous, um, but the flu, I'm sure, will come back. I think one of the things that we're just not learning is that our healthcare system is not resilient enough. Uh, it is mm-hmm. not able to handle these surges. And so as a result, you know, our only choice is shut the schools down, shut the restaurants down, shut half the economy down, uh, shut all elective surgeries down, uh, which is, again, what's happened, which pushes sickness down the road, at which point it's going to be worse for a lot of people. I mean, elective doesn't mean unnecessary. It just means unnecessary right now. Like you could put it off for a month, might not be good for you, but you're not going to die immediately. Right. And so, I mean, I was looking at the, the Ontario budget. And, you know, the projections in the Ontario budget are that the expenditures on COVID-19 related things just they kind of wind up by, uh, you know, by April 2022. And that's kind of it. And we're done with it. I think yeah. one of the lessons Listen, being learned here is we're not done with it. Let me ask you this. And we're going to delve more into the healthcare care uh, struggles here in our next half hour. But let me ask you in our last minute here. I mean, there's no doubt that this Omicron is costing us billions with a B, right? I saw one estimate that if those in Ontario work 10 percent fewer hours just in the month of January alone, that costs the economy, the provincial eco- economy, roughly four billion dollars, David. Yeah, that's right. I mean, definitely the cost will be in billions. Um, In some areas, you know, it's in terms of lost productivity. You know, some some lawyer didn't finish some thing they were writing up this month or this week. They'll have to write it up next week. I mean, one of the bigger dangers, I think, is when you just don't have enough people to get that last worker in a factory and then the whole factory is shut down. Then you've got then you've got a much bigger problem. Like there's going to be threshold effects where there's just not enough teachers until you shut the school down. And that, it seems to me, is is what we're probably going to see a lot of in the coming weeks, and we've, we've probably seen a bit of it already, is where you just get to those key points. And once you pass that point, there just isn't enough people to keep the doors open. And so everybody gets laid off instead of kind of keeping it going at a lower pace, maybe slightly less capacity. Uh, and so, you know, the danger of COVID continues, which is that we mm-hmm. need a healthcare system that's much more resilient to these types of surges, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whatnot. We just cannot yeah. keep shutting things down like this. It's, uh, it's, it's economically very damaging. All right, David, appreciate it as always. There is a David McDonald, Senior Economist for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. And we're back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.